It's a gorgeous film. Stunning. Alexis Bledel, <sighs> she stars as the young, you know, star. Starlet. <laughs> You're listening to Pop Apologists, and today we make our triumphant return to discuss all the pop culture news no one has or honestly should have been caring about for the last two weeks. But we get into it, like the demise of Sophia Ritchie and Scott Disick's romantic union, the dramatic removal of Kylie Jenner from Forbes' billionaire list, and the deeply inspiring ways Kate Middleton is saving, no, salving, the people of England. Buckle in, baby. Well, 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 we're back. We are back indeed. Chan, I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm happy to be here too. I've missed this. I really have. Yeah, same. It's been quite a few weeks. I think in case you missed us, in case you noticed we were gone, there's the high probability no no one noticed we actually <laughs> few weeks, so let's not flatter ourselves too much. Yeah. People weren't exactly at our door with pitchforks saying, <laughs> release another episode. Yeah, I don't think I got any like feverish texts like, I think something's wrong with my phone. When is the apologist <laughs> coming out? I actually got zero texts, which is concerning. They're like, I'm on the phone with Tim Cook and I've been refreshing my <laughs> Apple Music all day long. Where is the podcast? I've been on the phone with AT&T all day about my <laughs> podcast app and they're, they're as confused as I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen, folks. No, but in case you did notice that we were out for two weeks, the truth is we felt like the last thing the world needed in the last two weeks was more jibber jabber about pop culture and nonsense. Yeah. And there were just bigger, broader conversations going on. And we wanted to not crowd the space and take up bandwidth when, you know, way more important conversations have been happening. Definitely. And I think just taking the time to, you know, give it a break and stand in solidarity with the movement that's happening right now was most important. I think we were ourselves not even in a space where we were even thinking about pop culture because we are we were thinking so much about what's going on across the country. So yeah. I mean, you and I have like a 9am standing status call where we discuss whatever nonsense, pop culture related or not. And we didn't even really talk about anything celebrity or reality TV related for like, yeah, we haven't even been able to really truly debrief because our I think our brains have just been focused on the bigger things happening and the atrocities happening. Yeah, it just wouldn't have been authentic to try to even put together a normal show. Yeah. But we're happy to be back and ready to, you know, dive back into stuff that no one should really care about. <laughs> Here we go. Here we are. I I have a confession to make before oh we get into everything. <laughs> okay, Usher, let's hear it. I So before this, I just brushed my teeth. And did a little bit of uh, mouthwash. And I considered putting on a Crest White Strip before doing the episode. Do you think that would majorly hinder, like, the sound quality? Do the listeners care if I perhaps, you know, maximize my time on this pod and use a white strip? I First of all, I would say that your teeth are already a brilliant shade of pearlescence. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word. But so I don't think that you need to do a whitening treatment. Oh my gosh, Lauren, I mean, that's like so nice of you to say. Yeah, do what I can. You have a gorgeous grin. But 
that said, have you ever spoken with crest white strips on? I think if they're thin enough, my tongue can still, you know, do its proper function. And I think I could do it. I might give it a go next episode. Unless like, you know, everyone DMs us and says, please no. I'm going to try it. Because you, I, I'm no, too busy no. during the week. That's basically what it is. I just don't buy it. No offense, but I don't even think you're like that much of an optimizer. I'm I'm (gasps) not buying this that you're like, I'm so incredibly busy. I need to eat between 12 and 12.06 so I can be back on email at (laughs) 12.07 to, you know, like email my coworkers. You have been seeing me at the office a bit and, you know, there's there's some breaks during the day and I definitely take advantage of those breaks, but I'm looking to optimize. You know, I've been working at Facebook for three weeks now. I really want to maximize my time and do a good job. So this is just part of that. Becoming like a tech, like an insufferable tech bro who's just like all about life hacking. <laughs> oh, I don't want to hear about your paleo diet. All I have to say oh. is buckle in, baby. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, save us the Silicon Valley startup Peter Thiel spiel on how you're gonna you know infuse your body with the blood cells of virgins in order to live forever and have the whitest teeth wait hold on speaking of living forever (laughs) and I love the Peter Thiel reference do you remember the movie Tuck Everlasting do I ever it's literally I think the biggest fashion inspiration for our current moment I was literally just gonna say you had a collection of dresses Lauren probably from the ages of like 23 to 27 Maybe even till present day. Till present day. All look like Tuck Everlasting adjacent costuming. Okay, here's the reality. Tuck Everlasting, if you haven't seen it, it's like Little House on the Prairie, but a little bit prettier. It's a gorgeous film. Stunning. Alexis Bledel, (sighs) she stars as the young, you know, star, starlet. She's the protagonist, if you will. She yes, she's the protagonist. She's the main <laughs> character, and in in every scene, you know, you just see her makeup free, uh, fresh swept face, fresh faced, fresh face, gorgeous skin, and she's always in some sort of white frock dress. Her cheeks have like a rosiness, like like a boy from the village just like stumbled upon her bathing in the river, like at all times. And to me, this is the most erotic incarnation of a woman. <laughs> When I think about sexiness, like, okay, when a guy thinks about sexiness, I feel like he thinks about, like, an ad in GQ, just something kind of raunchy. I remember Mm -hmm. one boyfriend told me he loved, like, he loved lingerie in bright colors. Neon. Neon lingerie. That relationship did not last. Yeah, really glad about that. Um, That was a long long time ago. Anyway, when when I think about what's the most erotic incarnation of the female form, it's like fresh faced you're in a field like your angles you look like incredibly innocent and just like oh hello there you know like I didn't see you amongst the wildflowers in the eyelet you know the eyelets leave just like so incredibly oh, I don't even know the word it's you've painted me quite the picture I'm wow just imagine a verdant pasture, you know? Verdant is truly the word. Yes, indeed. Wow. Okay, let's... How did we get on that? No clue. I think you said living forever. <laughs> and that's when, anytime someone mentions immortality, my mind goes to Tuck Everlasting. Okay, a okay. truly great film. Great film. Okay, let's move on. What are we... Ta- uh, what are we? Ta- I don't know what we're talking about this week. Well, I know a few things, but not all of it. How has your week been? Let's go there. Uh, week has been you know, week has been good, you know, considering actually the week has been, has had some weird moments, but altogether 
I'm still living in my childhood bedroom. I'm awaiting my move to San Francisco. Did you make a decision on when you're actually moving? No, it's TBD. I was going round and round with Lauren hours ago about this, but we we shall see. I think it's just, I mean, I don't know how everyone is feeling, but there's a lot of information about coronavirus and if it's spiking, if it's not spiking, you know, it's really not over yet by any means, but it certainly feels over at times. And so you just have to make a sort of critical decision at some point. Yeah, we're living in a strange situation. Like I woke up in a bright, beautiful mood, ready to just luxuriate in a Sunday. And then you called me with all of these concerns Mm -hmm. and admonitions from our mom on Mm -hmm. the fact that you were potentially going to be exposing her to coronavirus because of your planned trips. Mm -hmm. And I have... I have two trips planned and suddenly all of my future plans came crashing down as potentially very dangerous and my life flashed before my eyes and it's been an emotional day trying to figure yeah. it all out. Yep. It it's definitely been an emotional set of months and it's been an extremely emotional set of weeks. So you know but- who else has been having an emotional time, sis? Who? Who? <laughs> who? Who could it Tell be? Tell me who. Scott and Sophia. Oh my gosh, Scott and Sophia. I realize this is now all going to seem like old news, but we would be remiss if we didn't touch on uh, this breakup. This dissolution, really, of this union. (sighs) What a union it was. Scott and Sophia, if you remember the genesis of their relationship, the genesis of all great relationships, basically, they started off, they were first spotted as a couple on a yacht in Cannes, which happens to me all the time. I'm always spotted you know, totally. right, right off the shore in Cannes, France. And yeah, it's, it's really a- aggravating. So I understood when Sophia tweeted immediately after and said, you know, we're just homies, relax. So that kind of was the start of their relationship. It's important to note that she was on said yacht with Bella Thorne. Bella Thorne is my mortal enemy. I have no patience for her. I don't think she's, I don't think she has any talent. Okay. Maybe I'm going to get like canceled for that, but fine. If the Bella Thorne stands want to come after me, like come at me, bro. She's just like this Disney Channel star who I don't care for, who somehow always, when I used to read Daily Mail every day when I was in a darker place, she somehow every single, every two to three days, she had a new headline and new cycle just about herself and her like whatever D-lister celebrity life. And that always aggravated me. So I, it's a lot of emotion about this person. Yeah. And I still don't understand what she did to you. I mean, I just, I mean, she was up there with, you know, Kim Kardashian. And I'm trying to think, like, literally, all their big celebrities on Daily Mail because they have big lives and they're constantly doing stuff that, like, makes them newsworthy. And Bella Thorne, it would be like, Bella Thorne steps out from the gym in a crop top. Like, that would be the headline. And I'm like, who is paying who here to like to keep her relevant because she's not relevant anymore? She had a Disney Channel show and that's it. Like I said, I don't know why I'm getting so heated about this, <laughs> but I'm ready to go at it with anyone who'd like to come at me. So yeah, that's the aggression I'm bringing to this podcast today. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, Chandler. We're oh, good to know. Yeah, sorry. Derailed my Scott and Sophia breakup. Sorry, there's a that's bigger good. moment. <laughs> wow, that, was, that was just really something. Thank you so much. Bella Thorne fans everywhere are quaking. Yeah, really. I bet they are. Come at me. My Instagram is Chan Cutery if you want to start attacking me. Yeah. Okay, so basically that's where they were first spotted. Fast forward, they make their official appearance as a couple at Art Basel in Miami. 
This was met with a little bit of bristling from the Kardashian family. Kendall commented on Scott's picture of them and said, look, Scott and his kids. Or she said, ah, Scott and his kids, which was, you know, sent shockwaves through the fan, I'm sure. A a jab at the age disparity. Yeah, which is a a 15-year gap. So, you know, a definite age disparity. Yeah. Um, Like, I'm pretty sure... I, I'm pretty sure she was, like, maybe 18. Which I have something to say about that. Can yeah. I say something? You can say something. So what I have to say about this is I think that age differences, they obviously, they matter less and less the older you are. And I think that's because, you know, between zero, really zero and 25, maybe even zero and 30, I think you just change so much mm-hmm. in Think of the person you are at 10 versus the person you are at 15. Oh, yeah. And then 15 and 20. And 20 and 25, it really, really is like such formative years. And so that's why I think you could see a 40-year-old dating a 55-year-old or a 50-year-old dating a 65-year-old and no one really cares. But I think when you're when you're still – like there's a reason why there's coming-of-age docu- – or not documentaries, but coming-of-age movies. Like that is a common, you know, thing. Definitely. That- it's like when you learn to grow up and learn who you are that's those are the most formative years and so when someone kind of like seizes on someone's perceived ignorance potentially Mm -hmm. they have a power over the other well that's what I was going to say I think the opportunity for a power dynamic in a very young skewing age disparity is like is huge and I think like that is where it can sometimes become harmful right exactly anyway I just think you grow so much totally throughout those years for the ages of you know 18 to 28 like that those 10 years of your early 20s are pivotal and critical pivotal and i think i just once heard that like you should not waste your early, well this is this is advice that makes me as a single gal feel better so no shade to anyone who's in a long term relationship um in their early 20s but i just heard like you know unless it's like the relationship is really great like it does do harm if you waste a lot of your 20s early 20s in long term relationships I guess this doesn't really relate to an age disparity. But <laughs> yeah. This is just what I tell myself yeah. at night, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, the the irony is I spent my entire 20s just longing to be in a long-term relationship. <laughs> so, well, anyways, okay. So, anyways, let's get back to the matter well, at hand. Either way, now Sophia doesn't have to worry about something like that. Exactly. So, um, so basically, the family bristled, you know, initially at this relationship, obviously so. I mean, Scott is so beloved by the Kardashians, and then... And he was also just such a true part of their family. Like, he right. would hang out with Chloe or Kendall, like, separately just because he was, like, a brother to them. And mm-hmm. so I think to see him date someone who's so much younger would just feel kind of icky. Like, yeah, you hate to sure. see it. Essentially, by May of 2018, you know, Courtney Kardashian and Sophia are actually on good terms. And they go on family vacations together. If you watch Keeping Up, you would see that they, you know, went skiing. And, and they were actually, like, a good mixed type of family situation going on but unfortunately our dear dear Scott I think still struggles with he lost both of his parents and I think he struggles with some depression and substance abuse and so this is what has led to you know them to break up a number of times actually Mm -hmm. and it's just it's been an interesting relationship to follow I mean I don't know if anybody remembers the video of her and him dancing to Lionel Richie who's obviously her father in like Scott's kitchen but it was like I don't know I do think that they had like a true connection with you know despite the age disparity and it was like good to see them all happy with Courtney 
Uh, and yeah, it's just sad now that Scott seems to be in a dark place as evidenced by the fact that he's checked into rehab and checked out of it a few times. So yeah, it's just overall, I think, kind of sad. I have a little bit of a different take. I think that... I mean, I didn't want them to end up together because of the age disparity that always didn't feel like a great life plan for her. But I don't know. You know, something about it was working. And it's just, you know, a relationship that lasts for years and years. It's going to have an effect on you. And it's sad to go, go away. Definitely. But now she can, you know, actually move toward her future. Oh, yeah. And... You know, he needs to obviously solve whatever issues he has. The most interesting part about this is the fact that Courtney was on such good terms with Sophia that she could come on family vacations. I mean, all I hear when I hear that is that Courtney could not have cared less about Scott. Like, and not as a person, but just romantically. Like, have him. Like, she doesn't care. Like, for me, there. So, what's hilarious? I I dated someone, and anyway, he actually ended up dating a Victoria's Secret supermodel, and I had no, I had zero qualms with it because that person and I were never really like emotionally linked. Like, mm-hmm. we had a really fun time, and he was really always very sweet. Um, and wonderful. And I and like, he's awesome. But it just wasn't like, it wasn't that, that like feeling that you have with someone. And like, honestly, when you really are romantically in into someone, and like, that is your person. And then I feel like, you know, they meet someone else or whatever. I just can't imagine being in a situation where I would want to go on vacation with their partner unless I just was so unless I really was so apathetic oh yeah you know and and you felt zero jealousy for that relationship right. like I remember when I found out my ex was dating a Victoria's Secret model who I think he's still with to this day mm-hmm. um I remember thinking like I was like excited for him like I was like that's that's kind of exactly what he like loves yeah <laughs> oh it's <laughs> like stunning beautiful women and like he has just always been into that scene and like it seemed like he was doing really well but let me tell you something if another ex of mine had been dating a Victoria's Secret model oh they would not be on my vacations they would rue the day they would rue the day they <laughs> thought of vacationing at all I don't I don't know what kind of threat that wow. is but take it for what you will <laughs> Ella Thorne fans and all vacationers watch out <laughs> exactly Ugh, anything else, Shan, on the dissolution? I mean, this union? I think it's, let's explore for a second the theory that, that Sophia just looks like a young Kourtney Kardashian. Yeah, super interesting. I think that she definitely does. She definitely does. Very much so. And I mean, <laughs> as someone who I actually, I broke up with a boyfriend of mine who I dated for a considerable amount of time, and he dated someone who looked, who looks very very similar to me and it is a jarring experience oh I remember one of my I like how this podcast we just talk about our exes now it's yeah (laughs) when I was dating someone he told me that every girl that he has ever like every girl that he's dated it seems like they just go on to date poor man's versions of himself wow so harrowing harrow I mean (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to unpack that. Yeah, let's um, not. Oof. Let's not. Let's not get into to that. Anyways, water. yeah. So I just, I always thought that was interesting, and I actually really like Sophia Richie. I think she's gorgeous. I like her look. I like her styling. Maybe I wish she used a little bit less lip filler, but overall, sometimes I try and channel her vibe. So yeah, like, she's, a stun- she's a stunning gal, and I think that she has a bright future full of you know money and good looks. Yes, so let's hope, wish her the best. Let's hope there are more yachts and can waiting for her. Oh, there are, there are. I should, <laughs> the funny thing, she didn't need Scott for the yachts, you know. Oh no, 
Ugh. Okay. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about, about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com. POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor. Try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, Mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my Mm. Clean Simple Eats protein powder. Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the Simply Vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there everyone go to cleansymboleats.com and use the promo code pop apologist for 10 percent off that's pop apologist for 10 percent off cleansymboleats.com pop apologist for 10 percent off other news should we get into it yeah let's get into something else So Chandler, you know about the Kylie Jenner Forbes fraud? Okay. Yes. I know. Yeah. I read both of the articles. Well, there was Forbes came out and said she's not a billionaire. And then like something else came out, right? I just want to say one thing. Yeah. This came out. And then the entire country like completely had an extreme upheaval. And this story basically got zero press. Is this the work of Kris Jenner? I'm just wondering, is all of the cultural movements happening right now, the culture wars and the activism, could there be, you know, some sort of like Chris Jenner? It's like that gif of Chris Jenner behind her computer, like typing. Exactly. Like, literally, that was just moments before like this, the entire world, world, world erupted. Not to make light of what's happening right now. I want to make that very clear that it's all very no. real and serious, but the timing is interesting. The timing is interesting. I think that there potentially was some 5D chess moves from Kris Jenner to, you know, <laughs> divert attention away from this story because it is it is incendiary. Should we get should I should Yeah, I can you it explain it to me because I don't think I fully understand it. Okay. So, let's just break down who the players in the story are. Ready? Mm-hmm. So there's Forbes, there's yeah. Kylie and Kris Jenner and their team of accountants, which I will hereafter refer to as Team Jenner. Okay. And then there's Cody and Cody is not a, a random man with a bunch of wives in Arizona. Um, uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, no, they moved to Flagstaff. Are you not oh, keeping up a sister oh, wife? Right, right, like, right, who right. are you? I'm so sorry. Okay, continue. No, the Cody in this case is actually a beauty conglomerate, a huge corporation that bought Kylie Cosmetics. So 
There's Cody the conglomerate. There's Team Jenner, which is Kylie Jenner, Chris Jenner, and their team of accountants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's Forbes. So here's what happens. Forbes posted an article titled Inside Kylie Jenner's Web of Lies and Why She's No Longer a Billionaire. Okay, pause really quick. Yeah. That headline shook me mm-hmm. because the Kardashians run a tight ship. You have talked about this before. Chris gets a, literally a published like document every single night of like the, the Instagram posts that will be coming from her daughters the following day. Like to see something like this really sent some shockwaves through me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I think that if anything, it just shows that there's probably validity and truth to the story because yeah. the Jenner's the yeah team Jenner is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So here's the here is the boiled down version of what happened, and then I'll unpack some detailed facts. Okay. So essentially, what Forbes alleges is that Team Jenner is extremely, extremely aggressive about their place on the Forbes list. It's really important that the daughters land in high up places. And that they they have been lobbying for Kylie to have this billionaire status. So here is the issue. So they do this major campaign to get on the billionaire list. Uh, I'm sorry, not the billionaire. They get a, do a campaign to get Kylie deemed as a billionaire. And in order to do that, what they do is they show tax returns to Forbes mm-hmm. to say, Kylie Cosmetics is doing this much in revenue, and this is how much it did last year, and this is what the business is worth, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And apparently the the Forbes article alleges that the before they were showed these documents, all of these numbers had been floated out there mm-hmm. and were kind of whispered in the industry, but analysts in the industry didn't buy it. So the experts that know ex- essentially how big market capitalizations are, how like what a true, you know, what demand creation could be, even if you are the size of the Jenner family yeah. and you have, you know, you can generate that kind of consumer demand. There are people, you know, there are experts out there who understand what kind of numbers are possible and what kind mm-hmm. of numbers are not possible. Like we all know in our minds, it's not possible that Kylie Cosmetics is going to be the first trillion dollar company. We all know that because guess what? There isn't a trillion dollar company yet. Like Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple, none of those are trillion dollar companies. So definitely not Kylie Cosmetics. That would just be like layperson knowledge. Mm-hmm. And analysts in the industry, they would have way more, you know, detailed numbers to know what's realistic. And on a very, just on a, like a very pedestrian level, like I remember mm-hmm. when Kylie first launched and like literally her lip kits were always sold out. Like they were selling out and whether that was like them, you know, constricting their inventory or at least like making it seem that way so that they could drive, you know, demand up. I, I remember those days, but those days seem far like behind us. Like I don't hear about anyone like staying up or setting an alarm to like still buy Kylie cosmetics because they're in such high demand because they want them so badly. Like I just don't even hear about people using them anymore. At least nobody I know of. Exactly. So there's, there's probably also a pulse on the, just the, the demand in general, like mm-hmm. we passed peak Kylie. Yeah. So anyway, there's whispers in the industry about these numbers. The analysts don't think they're real, but then for some reason, the numbers do catch on. And even though Forbes has been submitted the documents by the Jenner team, they haven't picked it up because they don't believe it. But then other publications start picking it up and say, Kylie is worth all this money, right? And the Forbes, and so because the Jenner team is getting so much press, 
Forbes essentially doesn't want to miss the boat on this. Mm -hmm. So they go over to the Jenners, they do their due diligence, they're shown the actual tax returns, and they're like, oh my gosh. And plus, Kylie Cosmetics was sold to Cody for $600 million. So, and that's one of the largest cash outs in celebrity history. So the combination of that huge sale, plus um, the whisperings about how much revenue Kylie Cosmetics was doing led Forbes to believe that Kylie Jenner could be worth a billion dollars. Okay, I see. Yeah. So the two elements to really, to know that this is basically the the facts of the case are the tax returns that the Jenner team showed to Forbes in order to get Kylie, Kylie billionaire status and the tax returns the Jenner team submitted to the IRS and Cody, the, co- the company that bought Kylie Cosmetics. Okay. Or okay. they bought 51% of it. Yeah. Exhibit A and exhibit B. Exactly. So basically what happens is Kylie, you know, Team Jenner convinces Forbes that Kylie's worth all this much and Cody buys 51% of um, Kylie Cosmetics for what is, what was, what was it? 600 million? Yeah. 600 million. Uh, which is astronomical. But what's interesting is I, you know, I wish we could have Alex on the podcast. Alex is one of my dear friends and he does mergers and acquisitions for his mm-hmm. company and he is like a research analyst. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how the people at Cody like how did they value the company at that much money? So this is what happened. So team Jenner told Forbes that Kylie cosmetics did $400 million in revenue or over the course of 18 months with Kylie pocketing 250 million in personal profit. However, they didn't believe the numbers, like I said before. And so they didn't place Kylie highly on the higher on the list. But in response, Team Jenner gave those figures to other news outlets, and, P- and the PR that was generated swayed the analysts at Forbes and convinced them that Team Jenner was telling the truth. So they go back and they do this full investigation with Kylie's accountants and are shown tax returns that show $307 million in revenue in 2016. Team Jenner also told Forbes that the business had grown to $330 million in 2017. However, and this is where the rubber hits the road, the 2018 tax returns that came out through the sale to Cody show that Kylie Cosmetics only had $177 million in revenue. So basically, the article what? explicitly states, if Kylie Cosmetics did $125 million in sales in 2018, how could it have done $307 million in 2016 as the company's, you know, like, the, the tax returns they showed Forbes alleged? I mean, that would mean that when she first started, she hit it really big. Yeah, and then it went way down. Yeah. But, that, but Jenner had told them that they did $330 million in 2017. Yeah, no. It's not adding up, to say the least. It's, it's not adding up. And I think that, you know, it's fascinating because at the, at the end of all this kerfuffle, right, the end of this whole article I'm reading breathlessly about Kylie Jenner's wealth, it says, we estimate that she's only worth $900 million. <laughs> <laughs> It's not even like she's like, oh, they're worth, she's worth $500 million or no. $600 million. No, she's still very close to being a billionaire. Yeah. Give it one year of just like putting that money <laughs> in the stock market and generating normal returns, and she's a billionaire. Uh, so, Oh, my gosh. Like, literally, here I am thinking, like, wow, she's such a fraud. I can't wait for her to, like, she's sell so poor. Homes. Like, she's I'm, so poor. Like, I feel sad for Stormy. Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Save your canned food for Stormy. No. They're going to be just fine. However, you did send me a really interesting article about how much money she spends. Yes. And I felt like that was kind of fascinating. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Did you did you read it? I I read a little bit of it, but I'll, I'll let you take this I mean, one. essentially, the gist of it is just that, I mean, during quarantine, she's 
I read that she's bought two different properties. And one was a house in Beverly Hills or um, Beverly Hills adjacent neighborhood that was just strictly like a fun house. So if you've been seeing any videos of her and Stassi baby, like doing TikToks of them reenacting Kardashian scenes, like that's happening at her fun house. It's got like a pool and which is very fun, but it also has like, you know, all the amenities and you know, it's incredible. Yeah, it really, it, you know, I'm jealous. It's, it's amazing. But basically she, and then she bought like another lot, like randomly in Calabasas or, you know, somewhere in LA with plans I'm sure to build. And so this article was just talking about how her siblings are actually very worried about how much money she's spending all the time. Okay. Let's look up Michael Jackson's net worth because I think that's a really good data point. And it just goes to show I don't know. It's hard. It's going to be hard to find. But the point is, Michael Jackson was broke when he died. Mm-hmm. Like, these people are not famous forever. Just as when I've expressed on this podcast, like, some concern over the way the Vanderpump Rules people are clearly living high on the hog. Yep. It doesn't, you know, they don't always make so much money for so long. And I, I think no matter how much money you make, even if it's Kylie Jenner level, you really can still go broke. You can't totally. spend it all. Totally. And I mean, that was one of my favorite aspects of the Kardashians this season was when they basically all talked about who was going to pay for production crews to get flown on their family vacations or not production, but security. Yeah. Um, and I think they they are a pretty self-aware family about their finances, which is fascinating to watch. Fascinating. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens to Kylie and how this all goes. We're because- going to. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, yeah, it'll just be, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to watch, but I can tell you one thing for sure. She'll always have more money than Jamia Chandler. Yeah. Um, we'll put a GoFundMe for Kylie Jenner in our show notes if anyone wants to donate. Yeah, for, absolutely. <laughs> so the other thing that I wanted to get around to, Chan, and I was wondering yeah. if you saw this article recently about mm-hmm. Catherine the Great. Have, is that what the show The about? Greats are based on? Is it this, this show called no. The Greats? No, no, okay. I have no idea. Tatler Magazine, which is like a British, you know, it's not really a, ta- it's like more high up than a tabloid. It's more like a, it's like a people. I would say it's more like people would be combined with Vanity Fair. People is, okay. Maybe a Vanity Fair. Yeah. It's definitely a tabloid. Yeah. But it's not, it's not the National Enquirer. Sure. So, sure. you know, it's a UK magazine. Anyway, and it's called Tatler. And okay. they had an article. Um, called The Duchess of Cambridge is Crowned Catherine the Great. Okay? Catherine the Great. Okay. So, like, likening her to Alexander the Great. Great name. Do you know who, do you know who that was? I am familiar with Alexander history? the Great. Yes, I do. Do you know what Alexander Honestly, the Great Honestly, I, I do know who he, who he I, is, but I can't really say much about him. I am going to associate him <laughs> with Mesopotamia. I think he has something to do with that region, but I'm I have no sure he, like, what. He, he may have fought the Spartans or led the Spartans into battle. I, One of the two. I don't think so. Well, anyway, I, I, it's been a long time since sixth grade, but uh, we, can re- we can revisit the, that history another time. Yeah. But today we're talking about Catherine the Great. Okay. So let's hear it. The article about her was astonishing. And I just want to read you a few quotes from it and okay. just hear what you have to say. Okay, because the funny thing about this article is just the way that they paint her as being the most amazing person mm-hmm. essentially who's ever lived. Mm-hmm. It's just so incredibly like idolatrous, and then also they spin I mean, everything in favor of of you the, know Kate and William and the that's British press. 
loves Kate and William. Love her. As evidenced by, you know, there's that one BuzzFeed article that's a side-by-side of articles talking about Megan versus Kate. And it's like, they're both doing the exact same action in the photo, but the spin is completely different. And it's wild. Totally. Totally. Okay. So here we're going to see the golden light that Catherine is cast in in the UK press. So the subtitle is, Kate Middleton's star is going stratospheric as the country looks to the monarchy for morale. I Anna already hate pa- this. Anna Pasternak charts her ascent. <laughs> oh my god. Her ascent. She's a yes. mortal human being. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Buckle up, baby, because we're going on a ride. Ugh. Yeah. A rocket ride. Okay. So Anna, the writer, says, has the Duchess of Cambridge suddenly become one of the most influential women in the world? <laughs> that's the suddenly question. become like as if she wasn't already one of them yeah absolutely front and center of the new slimmed down monarchy kate hasn't put a foot out of place in the nine years she has <gasps> been william's wife oh sorry i'm gonna let you finish <laughs> that was clear as the coronavirus outbreak became a pandemic and she took on extra royal duties <sighs> making public appearances remotely as the country went into lockdown it's easy to forget with the all-encompassing threat and disruption of the coronavirus crisis that this tumultuous time follows an extremely busy period for kate and william wow i didn't know the pandemic was like not a not good timing for them and and just look at how they've handled it. Honestly, this was one of the most busy times for them. And to have a nas- an international global pandemic, it just really, like, it wasn't it wasn't good timing for the Cambridges. It, it wasn't, but they've just handled it with grace and poise. Oh, not a not a foot out of shod. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so it says. In the wake of Harry and Meghan standing down as senior royals and seeking exile in North America, Kate took on 11 royal engagements in a month. 11? (laughs) Nearly three in the space of 24 hours. (laughs) Okay, this is where the wheels start coming off for me during this article. So you're telling me that she has to go to 11 events in a month? And that is the extremely busy period that made the pandemic particularly inconvenient? I mean, it's like, been brutal on her. Eleven. I mean, what is that? A week? Like, she only had two days off, Chandler, uh, between each engagement. Like, I'm turn shaking. it off. I can't turn Just it. Considering off. that schedule, do you think she got paid overtime? I let's hope so. If not, let's argue for back pay. Chandler, if she worked three hours, the, each of that was three hours long. That's a thirty-three hour work uh, month. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Think I about mean, it. As someone who was abused in their former job. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't want to give you PTSD, so let's continue. Yeah. It was a grueling attempt to buffer the barrage of bad news destabilizing the House of Windsor in a near daily <laughs> basis. Destabilizing <laughs> the House of Windsor. Uh-huh. Okay, they're, they're just like a little family. Like, oh my gosh, the House of Windsor. And so, and now it lists the, what exactly has been destabilizing it. It okay, says the it. divorces. And then in parentheses, the Queen's nephew, Lord Snowden, and her grandson, Peter Phillips. Mm, I don't think anyone knows who those people are. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think anyone cares. I watched The Crown. I've never heard of a Peter. Like, have you mourned the breakdown of those those marriages between, from Lord Snowden's marriage or his grandson, Peter Phillips? If they were Lord Scott and Sophia Ritchie, that would be something to mourn. (laughs) Yeah, we would would do a full breakdown on this podcast. But otherwise, Anna, writer of this article, DJF. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, so the article continues enumerating all of the disgraces that have befallen the royal family, Chandler. She continues, Prince Andrew's mortifying fall from grace. The Sussex truly, okay. surly press statements. I would say that that is arguably the most horrific Destabilizing. Yes, for the sure. Epstein, Prince Andrew, horrific grossness. Well, I mean, Chandler, I would say, Anna, I would say, is positing that the fact that Prince Andrew is clearly a rapist of, you know, of young women is, yeah. or allegedly, I don't need the monarchy coming after me. So <laughs> that he's allegedly, you know, whatever, a gross guy, yeah. to say the least, and definitely a perpetrator of sexual assault, mm-hmm. that that's on the same level as surly press statements by the House of Sussex. Surly! <laughs> Look, she's giving you a run for her money with this vocab. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Shots fired. Wow. And and then the last thing is those NAF Chinese milk adverts. <laughs> I don't know. Literally no clue what that is. I tried Googling NAF Chinese milk adverts. Nothing came up. I mean, yeah, what are these milk advertisements? What does NAF mean? Okay, NAF, I'm seeing NAF. Okay, go away. She told the photographers to NAF off. Whew. Who did? Uh, this is just a sentence example from dictionary.com. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I was like, who? Who told them that? Uh, uh, Anna's credibility has been restored. Okay. Okay, but what does it mean then? Uh, go away. Go away. So, so go away Chinese milk adverts? In British slang is, like un- is very unfashionable or unsophisticated. The music's okay. really naff. Naff, his and hers matching outfits. So that's <laughs> okay. That's your well, expose. So these these are some these are some you know not trendy, not cool Chinese Ad- milk adverts <laughs> plaguing the 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 British people. You know, and you know on the heat and then followed up is the pandemic. They've already been through a plague of Chinese advertisements. Be left alone, left alone. But Chandler, amid it all, Kate has emerged serene and and smiling. <laughs> That's what Anna writes. Oh my gosh. Do you want to know how she's emerged? How? How she's emerged this way, so beatifically? How? Anna writes, out went the safe shift dresses, and in came the silk pussy bow blouses and softer <gasps> blow dries. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Is she saying that this she is an actual softer look? Like in, like... I'm confused about her. What's what's the crux of her argument? Out went the safe shift dresses. So everyone imagine a safe shift dress. Got it. And how destabilizing that can make you feel. <laughs> and then consider if the person wearing that instead changed politely <laughs> into a silk pussy bow blouse. And also in the at the same time got a softer blow dry. I mean, I already feel much, much safer. I mean, yeah. She's just clearly ready to take on whatever the world's going to throw at her with a softer blow dry. I'm imagining Kate Middleton at, like, dry bar being like, look, a lot of things are happening right now. I just need a softer blow dry. Like, if you give me one, if you give me another hard blow dry, I just can't (laughs) take it. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, I'm glad those hairstylists heeded her warnings. I know, clearly. Yeah, well, Anna definitely took note. So, okay, so it continues. I'm exhausted by that. Oh, it's still going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, Joan, we've just begun. We've just begun this article, okay? Oh, my gosh. 
Okay, listen to this. She's working as hard as a top CEO who has to be wheeled out all the time without the benefits of boundary of boundaries and plenty of holidays. So Ugh. apparently her 33-hour work month is the same as a top CEO. Mark Zuckerberg could never. Could never. Evan Bezos? Yeah. Evan Spielberg? Spiegel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bill Gates, <laughs> Obama. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They love a safe shift dress and a hard blow dry. Those, those, those people. <laughs> they could not give the British people what they need. Okay. No, not, not even close. Nope. So the article continues, Chandler. It gets worse. It says, is the royal once dubbed as the Duchess of Doolittle because she had so few public engagements, stealthily establishing herself as a kingmaker, the person to save and salve the monarchy? <gasps> I can see how wide I'm blinking right now. Like, I'm just blinking slowly, just trying to take in the information. Like, I'm just thinking, so literally, I would just have to change my hairdo. Yeah. And... Take off my shift dress and put on a, a pussy bow blow, blow, blouse. What? I don't know what the hell that is. I could but like s- what? save and heal a country, salve the country. Salve. So ointment. I mean, or yeah, a pair of lubricant for the country. That's exactly what she is. Absolutely, she's the Neosporin for she's the British like, people. She's an aquaphor for the United mm-hmm. Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the article goes on and it kind of gets a little snoozy. It talks about Kate's mother and yada, yada, yada. (laughs) No, thanks. We're over it. But things pick up again and get juicy when it talks about a fight that Megan apparently had with Kate before the wedding rehearsal dinner. Ready for this? Yeah, I guess. Then there was the incident at the wedding rehearsal dinner. Another friend of the Clambridge's claims. It was a hot day, and apparently there was a row over whether the bridesmaids should wear tights or not. Kate, following protocol, felt that they should. Megan didn't want them to. The photographs suggest that Megan won. (laughs) I mean, if that isn't hurting a nerve, reminding you of Courtney's wedding morning, when I warily warned you about your eyeliner, I don't know what will. I'm very triggered right now, and I don't want to talk about it at all. I made a mistake. In 2009, and you've never let me forget. I mean, let's just fall. I'm like Kate. I want to follow protocol. I want to salve a country. I want to wear hose, even if it's warm outside. I mean, I dare say you were the start of cancel culture with that. Potentially. I mean, those photos are coming back to haunt you. So what can you do? (laughs) Unbelievable. Okay, so how does this wrap up? Okay, don't worry. I'm close to the end. Okay. So then it continues and said, then there's the matter of the Sussexes' awful timing. The Sussexes, I mean, I don't, I'm sure everyone I don't know knows. Who, who are the, I don't actually know who the Sussexes are. Chandler, that's, oh my gosh. I think that's Harry and Meghan. The House of Sussex, the Duke and Duchess of oh. Sussex. Oh, yeah, whoops. Sorry. <sighs> Shaking her head. So then she says, as the Queen gave a historic speech urging the public to adhere to the government's pleas for self-isolation, and on the day the Prime Minister was taken to the hospital gravely ill Boris. from coronavirus, oh no, Boris! Harry and Meghan chose to announce a new charity oh. endeavor, Archwell, and from their haven in L.A. Oh. <laughs> I mean, formerly owned man, Tyler Perry owned mansion. Haven. Apparently, announcing that you're ch- you've launched a charity at the same time that the queen also happens to put out an announcement about coronavirus is like a, a grave sin. Grave. No okay, salve can undo just, that. 
No, not even close. No aquaphor. No amount of aquaphor. The article is full of these like kind of wild and bemusing twists and turns. So I'm just going to let our listeners dig into the rest of it. However, I do think that the final sentence is worth reading. Ready for it? Mm-hmm. So this is how the article ends. Anne writes, Whatever the truth, as the woman behind the man who will reign from what Winston Churchill called the greatest throne in history, Kate has emerged as the ultimate power player. I underestimate Queen Catherine at your peril. Wow. Okay, let's just... Last thing I want to unpack is whatever the truth. Whatever the whatever truth. truth. I think we should start the podcast now with whatever the truth. That should be the name of our podcast. Instead of, instead of well, 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 or pop apologist, it's whatever the truth. Whatever the truth, we're here to, to what, talk about bullshit. What a fine disclaimer from Anne. Oh, it is just, it really is quite the, quite the grand statement to round out a perfectly absurd article. Yeah, truly. Um, wow. And an admonishment, if you will. The Wall Street Journal, the New York Times publication. Could never. Could never. Could never. Could never. <laughs> oh, thank you, Anne. Thank you, Tatler, for bringing yeah. us this journalism. Thank wow. you. We applaud I'm you. Shook us. Yes. Um, Lauren, thank you. Well, first of all, I want to thank Anne, Anna. Um, <laughs> and then I want to thank Tatler. And I want to thank you for your dramatic reading and supreme investigative journalism. You're welcome. I, I, you know, I owe it all to journalism at large. Let's talk about a great show really quick. A little recommendation for a great show. Love Life. I was honestly not a believer until my friend Faith recommended it, and I watched it. It's on HBO Max. It's with Anna Kendrick, who's honestly not my favorite. But overall, the show is really good. And it really? every single episode is like a new relationship. It's well done. It's funny. The dialogue doesn't feel forced. I really like it. But what's weird is that you, if you have an HBO, a regular HBO subscription, you have to like buy a, a Max subscription on top of it, which is very annoying. So that's one watch out. But yeah, it's great. Also, Lennox Hill, Lauren just told me about it. Really good. Yeah, you watched Lennox Hill with me. Did you really like I'm, it? I'm on episode six right now. No way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Guys, Lennox Hill is not one to sleep on. It. What what do you want? What do you want to say about Jan? I mean, I love doctor shows. Loved Grey's Anatomy. This feels a little bit less like juicy romantic hooking up in the break room. Sort of. It's none of that. But it's one. It's just kind of wonderful to watch. Like these doctors. I mean, doctors everywhere are incredible people. Like they risk their lives and to save lives every single. Well, they're not risking their lives. Do doctors risk their lives? I, I don't. I, I do. Doctors risk their lives. I I, I guess instead of people that are contagious. Gosh, we're doctors, so smart. Doctors right now are risking their lives because of coronavirus. So I'm, yeah, yeah, doctors do risk yes. their lives yes, for yes, sure. Yes, yes. Yes. To save are they at every second during practicing medicine? No, not necessarily. But, but right now they are. So shout out doctors. But what I like about Lennox Hill is that just really you see like the incredible nature of these brilliant doctors. Yeah, you see, like, for me, it's you see, like, the, the, it's just real life. Like, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we, it's so easy to get caught up in your kind of your own bubble, Mm -hmm. especially if you live, if you live a really, like, blessed life. Mm -hmm. So when you see, you know, these doctors that are just working every day to help people who have, you know, brain tumors who are dealing with mental illness, like schizophrenia, who are, like, actually, these people are, Oh, like going through the worst times of their lives. It's mm-hmm. so incredibly like soul enriching. The way that they like 
I mean, homeless people come into the hospital and the way that they take care of them and they just, like, do not at all pay attention to, like, whether or not they're going to be able to pay is, like, so moving to watch. So, and the way they really treat them like people, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, you watch as this, these doctors talk to these talk to these people and you realize, like, gosh, it's amazing. Like, I probably would be too afraid to talk to them, you know? And, like, I would be, like, a too, like, I, I don't know. Like, some of these people really do seem kind of deranged. But the doctors really just like approach them with such compassion and humanity. It just inspires you to be a more selfless person. Yeah. So agreed. Not that I've done anything really since watching the I'm show. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, we'll let you know when this really hits Lauren. Yeah. Get to see the fruits of this labor. Exactly. Okay. So I think that about wraps up the week, right? It wraps it up. Good stuff. Good chat. We learned a lot. Learned a lot. We. If anything, what we learned is that we got to burn all of our shift dresses. Burn burn the shift dresses. They're too safe. You know, whatever the truth. Whatever the truth. Here's our podcast. A softer blow dry. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you and good night. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group, and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psychobabble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you, because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.